How do you tell a disciple of Jesus Christ? Jesus himself answers the question in a few words. And now I give you a new commandment. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. If you have love for one another, then everyone will know that you are my disciples. Love is the hallmark of Christianity. It is the photo ID of discipleship. The true identification by which one who is in union with Christ is recognized in the world and Jesus commanded his disciples to love so that the world will recognize his followers. But what kind of love is it that has to be commanded? Surely it's not the type celebrated in romantic songs and novels and movies. That kind is commended, but not commanded. No, this is a tougher, less attractive strain of love, more in the category of justice, compassion, and acceptance. It's the kind of love Jesus has for us. In the words of H.H. Farmer, the Christian doctrine of love is not a glib and easy doctrine. There is at the heart of it, the cross. The cross is the ultimate payment in the high cost of loving. This is the unlimited love Jesus has for us and we're commanded to show to one another. If we do not, then we will not be recognized as his followers. If we do, it will be the one sure sign of the truth of our claim to discipleship. So how does the love you show for others measure up when compared to the love Jesus has shown for us? Well, sometimes we look pretty good. Sometimes we know the love is there and showing forth quite nicely. But there are other times when we slip and the tragedy is that when we do, we're prone to do that which Christ would never do. We try to justify our unloving actions and secure our position of power by saying, well, I do love you, but. And that's the way so-called holy wars get started. That's the way relationships are shattered. That's the way communities of faith become little more than civic clubs. When Jesus told his disciples, you must be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect, he was referring to this radical command to love one another. Now, we usually think of perfection in the Latin sense of completed without error. But in the New Testament, it is the Greek sense of the word that is used, meaning maturity. So if our love is not perfect in this sense, as perfect as the love of God for us, then we still have some maturing to do. We still have some growing up to do. And in order for us to grow toward maturity, we have to be constantly reminded of how the love of God was expressed in Christ Jesus. 
This is why we're summoned to gather here week by week for the apostles' teaching and the breaking of the bread. This sacrament of the altar is a reminder, the promise, and the real experience of love divine. It's not just a symbol of something. It has an objective reality that when we come, it changes us even if we don't feel something. When we as a community join around the Lord's table, we receive his love. The formula is simple. The more we receive his love, the more loving we become. The commandment to love one another is a theme that is cited numerous times throughout the Hebrew scriptures. And Jesus had certainly repeated these words often during his ministry leading up to the event that's recorded in today's passage from John's gospel. What then was the special nuance that made this final mandate so special and so memorable? Well, I believe it was that qualifying phrase that Jesus added to the words, love one another. He made it very specific by saying that his followers were to love one another as I have loved you. In other words, the unique way that Jesus had incarnated that ancient ideal was to become the pattern of how his followers then and now we're supposed to love one another. Such radically individualized affection will always remain a mystery. How can God love me so much? But let us never forget that we're made in the image of that extraordinary love. Doing what Jesus did in loving each one he ever met as if there were only one to love is an ideal toward which we can reach even if it always should remain utterly beyond our complete grasp. So that's, that's a clue that comes to me from St. Augustine of Hippo. That's his first clue. His first clue was his observation that Jesus loved each one as if there were only one to love. And the second clue of St. Augustine is that Jesus loved all as he loved each. Jesus loved all as he loved each. The way he loved was not only individualized, but it was also incredibly universal. The eyes of the Jesus portrayed in the Gospels were never filled with contempt or disdain. Even when his words sounded harsh, it was because of his deeply loving concern for those whom he addressed. St. Augustine's words are a powerful description of the unique way Jesus loved. And he now invites us to love in that way as well. He loved each one he ever met as if there were none other to love, and he loved all as he loved each. In reflecting on that passage, the late John Claypool recalled something C.S. Lewis had to say about the concept of love. Father Claypool said that Lewis, in one of his last books, examined all the famous Greek words for the concept of love, and then concluded that they come down to one seminal distinction. 
the difference between what he calls need love and gift love. Need love, Lewis says, is always born of emptiness. A need lover sees in every beloved object or person a value that he or she covets to possess. It does not take exceptional imagination, Lewis contends, to acknowledge that many times when we humans say to one another, I love you, what we really mean is, I need you. I want you. I have, you have a value that I very much desire to make my own no matter what the consequences are to you. That's need love. Now over against this graphic image, says Father Claypool, Lewis contends there is another reality that is utterly different. It is what he calls gift love. Instead of being born of emptiness or scarcity, this form of loving is born of fullness and abundance. The goal of gift love is to enrich and enhance the beloved rather than to extract value. Lewis concludes this contrast by saying that the uniqueness of the biblical vision of reality is that God's love is gift love, not need love. Then he says, we humans are made in the image of such everlasting and unconditional love. Gift love, as Lewis describes it, is the foundation stone of how St. Augustine described Jesus' way of loving. You and I are loved by God in this way. This way of loving forms our spiritual identity when it is the way we choose to live our lives. I have been amazed in the last week how many different kinds of people of different ages and from different walks of life have been hurt and grieved by the death of the singer Prince. And um, so I went to look and see just what it was about his music that mattered so much to so many. And I realized that many of his songs carry a Christian theme. And there's one in particular that resonates with this passage telling us that we're to love the way Jesus loved. The name of the song is, I Would Die For You. I'm not a woman, I'm not a man, I'm something that you'll never understand. I'll never beat you, I'll never lie, and if you're evil, I'll forgive you, by and by. You, I would die for you. Yeah, darling, if you want me to, you, I would die for you. I'm not your lover, I'm not your friend, I'm something that you'll never comprehend. No need to worry, no need to cry. I'm your Messiah, and you're the reason why. Because you, I would die for you. Yeah, darling, if you want me to, you, I would die for you. You're just a sinner, I'm told. Be your fire when you're cold, make you happy when you're sad, make you good when you're bad. I'm not a human, I'm a dove. I'm your conscience. I'm love. All I really need is to know that you believe. Yeah, I would die for you. Yeah, darling, if you want me to, I would die for you. You, I would die for you. 
Yeah, say one more time. You, I would die for you, darling, if you want me to. You, I would die for you. I would die for you. I would die for you. You. I would die for you. You. I would die for you. Loving like that, I, I, I know it's a tall, tall order for mere mortals. It seems out of our reach. But I'm reminded that theologian Karl Barth once said, Jesus is the name of our species in relation to whom we are still subhuman, but nonetheless called to ultimately become. I do not believe Jesus would have given us this new commandment to love as he loves if it had not been possible for us to obey the commandment. So this is very good news. It's a promise and it's a hope that we embrace. You and I, with the help of God's unfailing grace, can grow into the wonder of loving each other as if there is none other to love and loving all as we love each. And then everyone will know that we are really and truly followers of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.